Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be here at Abundant Life in Oconomowoc. And where we're from, where we live now, if we say I preached in Oconomowoc, they'd say, where? But this is a wonderful place, wonderful church, wonderful pastor. I've known Brother Kiley for quite a while, and I've always enjoyed being with him. And uh, <clears throat> when uh, Cliff suggested that I speak this morning instead of him, I said, well, you get it cleared through Brother Kiley before I get up there. Because I sure didn't want to come here this morning and stand behind this pulpit and Brother Kiley look up there and say, Who, what in the world? <laughs> Where did he come from? But I'm happy to be here and I don't want to take too much time with uh, too many preliminary remarks except to say that we were so happy to be with my wife's family, um, including Cliff and Jan and and uh, their uh, family this past week and uh, <clears throat> see so many things up in the Upper Peninsula that we had heard about but never really had an opportunity to see. And uh, so we enjoyed the time away um, and looking forward to get home. But I want you to, uh, if you wouldn't mind standing uh, while I read uh, a few verses out of the book of Genesis, chapter 28. Genesis 28. I'm going to begin reading with verse 16. It says, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first want to read the first part of that verse again. And he called the name of the place Bethel. Praise God. Let's uh, ask the Lord to bless this this morning. Lord, we thank you for everyone who's here. We thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful singing that I heard in just uh, early practice. I thank you, Lord, for the presence of your spirit. I ask you to bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. He said, it says, and he called the name of that place Bethel. And you know that the word Bethel, I'm sure, means the house of God. Bethel, the house of God. And if you were to read this entire chapter, you would see a, an account of the 
wonderful experience that Jacob had, a wonderful encounter with God, probably his first encounter with God. He knew about God, and he loved God, but I doubt that he ever had an encounter with God like he had here when he saw the the ladder or the staircase stretching between heaven and earth, and the angels dancing up and down, and the promise of God reiterated to him as it had been given to his predecessors. And when he uh, came out of that sleep uh, and awakened from that dream, he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. You know, there are times that people come to the house of God and their minds are other places and they're not really thinking. And the presence of the Lord is there in a wonderful way, but some people may not even perceive the presence of the Lord that day. I believe that when we come into this place, we should come in knowing that the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there in their midst. And we can always lift our hands and praise the Lord. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about the house of God. If you read in Genesis 28, it tells us that as he was traveling, he came to a certain place. A certain place. And it seemed as though that place was going to be a very important place for Jacob from then on. That place... I know that a lot of people say, well, you know, you can talk to God in the forest. You can talk to God driving along the highway. You can talk to God sitting in your home. And all of that is true because God is every place. But there is a certain place that we should have in our, in our lives. And I believe that uh, in most every case, it's the house of God that house of God where it's a certain place where I go and I know that there will be people there who love the same God I do, believe the same message that I do, that came to worship like I came to worship. And when we go to that place, there's something that happens there among all of those people that doesn't happen in my living room. It doesn't happen in my car. But when the people of God are, are gathered together, that certain place, there's something about that that allows us to feel something and to experience something in God. And that place became a very important place in Jacob's life. If you drop down to the 31st chapter of Genesis, verse 13, a lot had happened between 28 and 31. But in this particular verse, the Lord spoke to Jacob and said, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest, anointest the pillar and where thou vowedst a vow unto me. Now get, now arise and get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. And so Jacob was reminded by God of that place, that place where you anointed the pillar. You remember that place where you had an encounter with me. Remember that place where you arose and said, oh my goodness, the presence of the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. I didn't perceive it. I wonder what we would do if we perceived the presence of the Lord a little bit more often. 
I wonder how it would affect our conversation if we perceived the presence of the Lord a little bit more often. I wonder how it would change our attitudes if we perceived the presence of the Lord a little bit more often. Jacob was simply saying here, if I had known he was here, I would have done something different. I would have done this or I would have done that, but I didn't know it. But now I'm going to set up a memorial to this place. Because this place is going to mean something to me for the rest of my life. And so we look at, uh, at the, uh, the things that happen uh, in, the, in the house of God that make it a place where we know we meet with God. I want you to look at some verses of scripture with regard to the house of God. And then I'm going to come back to Jacob in just a few minutes. If you look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 3, David is saying here, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of God. I have set my affection to the house of God. Is the house of God a place where your affection is? Is the house of God a place that you dearly love? Is the house of God just a place that you go if you feel like it on Sunday? Is it a place that you go where, you know, if, if there was a better place, I'd go to it, but this is a place I go right now. But is there a place that you, uh, is the house of God a place where you have set your affection? You say, I love this place. I love these people. I love this message. I love my my pastor. I love my friends here. There's something about this place that no other place is the same to me. And so David said, I have set my affection to the house of God. And this was the king speaking. And he said, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. In other words, David said, I haven't just collected the offerings from the people. I haven't just amassed the materials that will be put into this house, but I have given out of my own pocket above all of that. I have given gold and silver to this. Why? Because I love this place. I love this place. And, and so David had a great investment in the house of God. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want to invest in the house of God. I'm not just talking about money, uh, but I'm also talking about my time and my faithfulness. I want, to, I want the house of God to be something that uh, is the most important thing to me. I want to be in his house when the people are there worshiping God. There are too many people today, I'm sure you would agree, that have too much treasure invested in other places. I have seen over the years, I've said, you know, I know people who uh, God is important to them, the church is important to them, but their recreation is important and their uh, friends are important and their house is important and other things are important almost on the same level as God, almost on the same level as the church. I love to have good re recreation. I love uh, to be able to have fun. Uh, but I want to tell you something. At the top of my list needs to be God and his house. At the very top of my list and everything else comes 
after that. And so David invested everything he had in the house of God. He said in Psalm 23, verse number six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This was not just a um, every now and then thing. He said in Psalm 27 and verse number four, I'm gonna read a verse that I don't have written in my notes. Uh, Verse number five, verse number four says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me up upon a rock. I want to tell you something. The house of God is more than just a meeting place. The house of God is more than just a place where you hear wonderful music. The house of God is more than a place where you come and glad hand with the other saints of God. But it is a place to go in the time of trouble. It's a place to find sanctuary. It's a place to find pavilion. It's a place to come when you are in need of a special touch from God. It's a place to come when you're worried. It's a place to come when you're discouraged. It's a place to come when you need something that can only come from God. And that is a place where you can walk in and there above any place else that you know of can you feel the presence of God. You know, I've... Um, I have had times when uh, I would preach uh, at home. This has been years ago. But I would preach at home, and at the end of the service, I would invite people to come up to the front. And for a long time, they would never come. They would never come. I'm talking about Pentecostal people. And I said, you know, I know that you can feel God in the back row. I know that you can feel God uh, in any part of the congregation. I know that you can get uh, encouraged any place in this place. But there's something about the altar area. There's something about that place up front. Things happen right here that don't happen in other parts of 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 the building. Why is that? It's one reason is because when the preaching has been issued forth, when the word of God has gone forth, there is a response. Jesus said, come unto me, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Some people have the idea that Jesus would say something like, oh, just keep your seats. Just keep your seats. I'll I'll come to you. I'll come to you. But there's something about a response. When we hear the word of God, we respond. Even if it's just by coming forward and we get into that place and there is an expectation around here that you may not have it sitting in the eighth row when everybody else is up here. I believe that there is a, there, it's important to understand that there are certain places that God seems to minister to us in ways that he doesn't in other places just simply because we made an effort to get there. Hallelujah. We made an effort to get there. You know, um, as I 
consider these verses in, in Psalm 73, beginning with verse number one. It says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Have you ever had a time in your life when you were breezing through and it seemed like the blessings of the Lord were everywhere and it seemed like everything was working out just exactly like you hoped it had and you're feeling blessed and you're feeling that God has his arms around you and then all of a sudden, boom, something happens and it's like the bottom drops out of it. Things start happening in your life that you you never saw. You can think about Job. When Job was uh, uh, breezing through life and the blessings of God were upon him and all of a sudden it was like the bottom fell out and he was in a situation he never dreamed that he would be in. Have you ever felt like God had abandoned you? Had you ever felt like God uh, never heard your prayers? Have you ever felt like uh, maybe God has, is disappointed in me? Or maybe he's mad at me. Or maybe uh, I look around and he's, you might say, I see people that aren't living for God. They don't go to church and it seems like they got a better life than I do. How's that work? I thought that when you serve God, you're supposed to have blessings flowing all the time. Never anything but blessing. Always good. No matter what you do, always turns out right. And it seems like that the people in the world are doing better than I am. And David said, my feet had almost slipped. I, I, I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know what to do about it. And so in that time of discouragement and time of feeling abandoned by God, he said, I felt like I just about fell. I, I almost fell until you get down to verse number 17 where it says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. I, I didn't know how to process everything until I went into the sanctuary of God. And he said, um, then understood I their end. You know, it's easy for us to get discouraged, but I'm gonna tell you something. There are a lot of things that we don't understand. A lot of things that you go through that you don't understand. And you can get a little confused. And you, and you say, Lord, I, I didn't know, you know, this isn't what I thought it was supposed to be like. But you know something? Clarity is something that can be found in the house of God. You go to the house of God and you get clarity. How do you get it? Well, you can get it in several ways. You can hear the word of God preached and the promises reiterated. You can hear the worship of the, the uh, people as they lift their voices in worship. And when you do, you feel the presence of God in that place. And it seems like you're lifted up from that place of discouragement and confusion. You get clarity in the house of God. I want to tell you, don't ever get to the place where you feel like uh, God has abandoned you and so you're going to abandon him. You don't, you don't get to the place where you say, you know what, I don't feel like God cares about me. Why should I go to church? 
The reason you should go to church is because that's where you're going to get clarity in those times of confusion, in those times when you don't understand why things are happening. And I can tell you that you will. You know, one thing David said, I believe it was David, it was a psalmist. He said, I was young and now I'm old. And he said, one thing I've never seen, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There are times in my life when I thought I had seen the righteous forsaken, and it was me. There are times in my life where it seemed like th- that nothing's working out for me. But you know something? The psalmist says, I was young, and now I'm old. Here's some young people here. They don't know anything about being old. I know a little bit about being old. There are some things that a young person can't know because they haven't lived long enough. It's not because they're not smart. It's not because they're not intelligent, but they haven't experienced the things that some of us have experienced And so he said, I was young and now I'm old. And when I look at the big picture, even though there were moments during that time when it seemed like God had abandoned me, it wasn't very long. I kept going to the house of God. I kept believing in him. I kept asking for clarity. And here I am. And I can tell you by my own experience, that no matter what I thought one particular day in the past, I realize now that I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I'm going to tell you something. God will never let you down. He may let you go through some things that are going to test you and going to try you. He may allow you to go through some things that you didn't choose to go through. But I'm going to tell you, he'll always be there. Don't you ever forget that he'll always be there. He's as close as the mention of his name. Hallelujah. And don't ever get to the place where you feel like going to the house of God is a waste of time. One more verse before I get back to Jacob. Micah chapter 4 and verse 2 says, And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of God. Let us go to the house of God. And what happens when we go there? He will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths. I I tell you what, sometimes, sometimes we wonder about which way is best and which way is right. The world will have us convinced, if we're not careful, that their way is best. That's the way the philosophy of this world works. It's enticing. It's alluring. But in the house of God, that's where you learn of his ways. And you learn to walk in his paths. I want to go back. I know my time is just about up. And I want to go back to Genesis chapter 35. I have in my list 
verses 1 through 7, I'm going to pick some verses out. Verse number 1, Genesis 35 and verse number 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Verse number 3. Jacob said, And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Verse number 6. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, and he and all the people that were with him, and he built there an altar, altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. We've been talking about the house of God. And Jacob had been away for a long time. He'd been through a lot. I'm sure that Jacob learned a lot in all of his experience in dealing with his father-in-law Laban. He saw the hand of God upon him and how that the promises of God were true even when sometimes Jacob wasn't true. You know, one thing we always know that, that what I do doesn't change God. What I believe doesn't change God or what I don't believe doesn't change God. I know somebody recently said, I don't believe in God. I said, you know, it doesn't make any difference. God's still God, whether you believe him or not. doesn't make any difference what I believe. He's still God. And so, um, you know, there was a time when, when David said, I, I want to build a house for God. I'm going to build a house. I dwell in this house of cedars and God is out there in that tent. I want to build a house for God. You know what God said? David, I don't need you to build me a house. I'm God whether you build me a house or not. I'll be God if I'm in that tent. It doesn't make any difference where I am. I will still be God. And so when Jacob got to that place that he had called Bethel, he, his understanding had expanded and he changed the name to El Bethel. El Bethel means the God of the house of God. And so it's not just the, the house of God, but it is the God of the house of God. When we come to the house of God, friend, I want to tell you, there, God better be there because if he's not there, it's not the house of God. I'm, I'm going to say some things that, that some people might think I would be criticizing, and I'm not. But I want to tell you, I love good music. I, loved, I, I had tears in my eyes just listening to them to practice. I love that music. But I'm going to tell you something. The music doesn't make it the house of God. I, I love video presentations. I don't know if you do that here, but sometimes you have video presentations and uh, they, they help to make a point. And I like that. And people are drawn to uh, uh, some of the technology that there is available today. And, and, and I like that. I'm not against anything that get people into the house of God as long as when they get there, that's not all there is. 
we have to know that it is God that makes it the house of God. It's not the music that makes it the house of God. It's not the technology that makes it the house of God. It's not the beautiful edifice that makes it the house of God. There are a lot of people today that, who are in denominations that were born in revival. And they, they came into a, a, a relationship with God in brush arbors and tents. And people were slain in the spirit and would, they would worship God and lift their hands and sometimes be on their face in prayer. But over a period of time, they began to build great edifices and they had stained glass windows and they had, um, you know, a beautiful uh, architecture and people came in and were amazed at the architecture and the beauty of the stained glass windows and that became their concept of the house of God. But when they go there, nobody raises their hands. Nobody worships God. Nobody. It's just a place. It's a place. And so when we think about the house of God, the thing that makes it the house of God is God. When you sing those songs, Angela, I know you're going to worship God. I know you're going to lift up your voice in worship to God. Not so people will hear your voice, but so the presence of God will be drawn into this place. And people will be moved by the Spirit of the Lord because it, it is the God of the house of God that makes it worth coming to this place. Praise God. I know that uh, my fear is that uh, uh, many young people today are drawn to an exciting program of music and light shows and video presentations and all of which I like. I, I like it and I would do all of those things. But unless their experience, like Jacob's, matures beyond that, they will always be looking for a more exciting environment but not truly connecting with God and so as I talk about the house of God the only thing that truly makes it the house of God is not the architecture it's not the programs it's not the music it's God himself when people come into this place and all of the things that they enjoy seeing and being a part of, make sure that they have an opportunity to have an encounter with God. Because he's the only one that can make a difference. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah, hallelujah. This isn't just a canned phrase from a preacher but I can tell you I do not know what I, where I would be if it were not for the house of God my dad when I was just a young boy my parents were divorced and my dad came to God for a, a, a little while and my sister and I were 
baptized when we were only about eight years old. And we learned about the doctrines that I still preach today. Sitting on the arm of my dad's grandmother's chair, or my dad's mother's chair, my grandmother, while he taught me about Jesus' name baptism and one God and all of that, which I still believe today. But my dad didn't continue to live for God. For many, many years, he was away from God. He was an alcoholic. We moved every place. We moved all over the place. And I can tell you that there was one solid thing in my life, and that was the church. Even when I wasn't in it, I don't have time to give you a testimony about what happened when I was just a child. But I can tell you that when when I look back and I realize that I had a connection with the church and through several years where we never went to church, I still continued to believe. And then when I came back to God, my life was so different from what it would have been had it continued in the environment that I was raised in. Friend, don't ever get crossways with the church. I could preach that a while. I can tell you, the church is made up of all kinds of people and not everybody sees everything eye to eye, but there needs to be one focal point in the church, and that is the God of the house of God. <laughs> At the risk of going beyond my time, I'm going to say God bless all of you. Let's worship God this morning. I know you will. I know you love to, Brother Kylie. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.